Welcome all of our campuses to the fourth week of our series entitled Road Trip. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us right now. Man, we are excited. This summer, as a church, we are taking a road trip, and we're learning how to better relate to one another, how to understand one another's personality, how to resolve conflict, how to enhance communication, and really how to navigate this thing called relationship. Today, I want to talk to you about a message entitled New Paths. New Paths. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Genesis chapter 2. I want to read a scripture in the very beginning of the Bible, an interesting scripture as we look at this whole concept of relationship. Listen to what the scripture says, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. The Bible says, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, I want you to think about this just for a moment. God created. He is a creator, and he created Adam, and he placed Adam in the garden. Now, I want you to think about God had a relationship with Adam. Adam had a relationship with God. Adam had all the animals, Adam had God, Adam had creation, and yet God said, God said, it's not good that you don't have another human being to connect with. Think about that just for a moment. I had a guy tell me one time, Pastor, I'll just be honest, it's just me and Jesus. And I said, well, if it's just you and Jesus, you're better than Jesus. Because even Jesus had his disciples that he walked with. What's my point? God is a relationship God. God always wanted a relationship with mankind. But not only did God want a relationship with mankind, God wanted mankind to have a relationship with one another. Here's the problem. The problem is that relationships are painful. You know what we've been doing the last four weeks? We've been talking about relationships. Yes, we've emphasized a lot of the marriage relationship, but really these principles in the Bible relate to all relationships. And relationships are difficult. Matter of fact, we live in a fallen world. There are challenges. There's tension. There's stress. And re relationships, good relationships do not happen by accident. Let me say that again. Good relationships don't happen by accident. It takes intentionality. It takes our willingness to roll up our sleeves. It takes a lot of, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. Gosh, I apologize. Hey, can we meet? Can we talk? Can we go through this? Relationships, good relationships don't happen by accident. We have financial concerns. We have insecurities, raising children, wonderful, all those blessings that God gives us. And yet we live in a world where relationships, you've got to fight for them. You've got to contend for good relationship. Well, there comes a point in a road trip where often you'll come to a fork in the road and you've got to make a decision. You go this way or do you go that way? And one of the hardest things to do is to stop and ask for directions. Matter, matter of fact, our campus pastor 
at the West Osmonade campus, Pastor Dave Madden, who's a good friend of mine. When I travel, I have the opportunity to travel and preach and speak and go to different things. I always bring somebody with me. A number of years ago, I brought Pastor Dave Madden with me, and he's a wonderful person to travel with unless he drives the car. And so anyway, <clears throat> so when we got to the airport, Pastor Dave said, he said, Pastor Steve, listen, I, I just, I just want to just say this. I really want you to let me drive. Now, I've been very honest about this. I'm a little bit of a control person. I like to be in control of my world. I like to kind of, no, I, I like to drive. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you. I love the accountability. We're going to talk. We're going to hang out. But, but, but I want to drive. And here's what he said. He said, no, Pastor. He said, I got it. Trust me. I said, all right, Dave, this is a, this is a new thing. I've got to grow. I said, I do want to say, I, I read the thing. It's 19 minutes to the hotel. So I just wanted to share that because no problem. We're in San Diego, by the way. So we're in the San Diego airport. We get our car. We start driving. You know, I'm just kind of checking out, just talking. He's talking and he's a wonderful personality, very entertaining. About 17 minutes into it, I'm just kind of just, I just wanted one, I just wanted one time to throw out. I said, uh, hey, Dave, by the way, we've only got about two minutes and it says we should be there. Are we getting close? He said, pastor, don't worry about it. I got it. About eight minutes later, we're now at about 25 minutes. I said, Pastor Dave, according to this thing, it's 17, actually 19 minutes, we should have been there. It's 25 minutes and we're not there. He said, Pastor, there's been some traffic. I'm sure that the map's a little bit, just trust me. No, really, I've got it. Another 14 minutes later, we're now like 37, 38 minutes. I said, hey, bro, pull over. I'm gonna ask somebody for directions. I walk into this gas station. I said, hey, man. I said, we're looking for this hotel. He said, no, no. He said, no, no. Listen, you went south. You're supposed to go north. You're the opposite direction. And so I get back into the car. Pastor Dave said, what did he say? Here's what he said, Dave. He says, get out of that seat. I'm driving. I'm taking over this car. <laughs> listen, listen. I said, we're lost. Now, let me just tell everybody, it's very hard, number one, to admit that you're lost. It's very hard to stop and ask for directions because it's humbling. What have we been doing the last four weeks? I say this respectfully as your pastor. I love you guys. I'm for you. We're in this thing together. But some of you guys are lost in your relationship. In other words, you don't know where it is. You don't know where you stand. You really don't know where you're going. There's lots of forks and a lot of roads. And you're like, man, I've got to admit that things are not going the way that we intended. Once you admit that, once you finally admit that, and you own that. And of course, Dave and I, we have a great relationship, but... But it was tough for him to admit that. Why? Because nobody wants to admit that things are not going well. It's a little bit, can be a little bit embarrassing. Well, one thing about Church of the King and one thing that we've saw at the last 22 years is we don't want anybody to be embarrassed of where they are. Matter of fact, it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay not okay. Are y'all with me? I'm going to say that again. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay because once you recognize and admit that you're not okay, then we've got to get help. Everyone say help. And we've got to take a new path. We've got to take a new path, a new road. You know what this message is about? This message is all about taking a new path. Some of you have to admit we're not where we need to be. Now, there's no perfect marriage. 
But there is marriages that are moving towards, that are getting better and stronger. Matter of fact, the Bible says we grow from faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. Doesn't mean that we don't have challenges. Doesn't mean that we don't have trials. But we've got to admit where we are, and we've got to take God's path. We've got to take a new way. There is hope. And I want to say this to all the campuses. I don't care where you are in your marriage. I don't care how far you think it's gone. There is hope in the gospel that God, listen, God can help you find one another again. How many of y'all believe that? Do y'all believe that? The reality is, is that some of you have perfected the art of arguing. You've looked at everancestry.com and everything to try to figure out why your spouse is the way they are. Well, it's Irish-Italian blood, or I don't know what it is. But the reality is, is that some of you don't feel safe in your relationship. And the reason why you don't feel safe is because you've lost connection. God's desire and God's design is for us to have connection with our spouse. Matter of fact, in three ways. To have spiritual connection, to have emotional connection, and yes, to have physical connection. And there is a way. There is a new road, a new path. Some of you are in a fork. Thank God that you've been coming to church asking for directions from the Bible, and there's hope for you. I want to talk to you today about how that we can fight for connection. Connection and relationship doesn't happen easily. All the challenges of life come to vie for, whether it's success, whether it's failure in business, whether it's challenges, whether it's having more and more children, the complexities of life, responsibilities. I mean, some of us, let's just be honest, we go, we run through the day, we run, we run, we run, we run, we run, and then you look and you say, oh my gosh, that's right, uh, I haven't seen this person in bed, your spouse, in a while, because you're busy. Connection can be lost very easily. I want to talk to you today about how that we can maintain connection God's way. Everyone say God's way. Watch this. Spiritual connection, emotional connection, and yes, physical connection. You know, one of the things that the Bible teaches is that we are a three-part being. We are, as a matter of fact, if you'll see that, if you can pull that up on all the campuses, the PowerPoint, you'll see this. We are a spirit. The deepest part of who you are is a spirit. It's the core. The, the Bible uses the word spirit and heart in an analogous sense. So your deepest part, that's your heart. That's your spirit, all right? That's, that, that's the part of you that gets born again when you become a believer. Okay, as you move out from there is really your soul, and your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then you and I live in a body. We have an earth suit. And that body, which by the way, the day, you get, the day you are born, it actually starts decaying. Isn't that ironic? It, it connects with the earth realm through our five senses. Smell, taste, touch, hear, and feel. So, so our lives, watch this. Culture lives their life through the impulses of their body. Christians, as we walk with God, learn how to live out of our spirit and we're not controlled by our body. It doesn't mean that our instincts and our impulses are evil. It just means that the Bible suggests that we are, actually, the Bible commands that we live out of our spirit. Now, why is this important? We don't start, intimacy in the marriage is not gained by body, soul, and spirit. It's actually just the opposite. It's we connect spiritually we then connect emotionally, and then the blessing and the result of that is physical intimacy. 
I want to talk to you today about how to regain connection. Everyone say connection. Big word in our culture today. A lot of people use the word. It's connection. How do you and I spiritually, emotionally, and physically regain connection? Number one, spiritual reconciliation. A term in the Bible, I'm saying connection a biblical term is reconciliation. It's when you are connected. You are reconciled. You are put back together. Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Remember, the Bible starts in the heart. All true connection starts in the core of our being. It should. Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled, Paul writes, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the, what's that next word? Say it. Spirit. <clears throat> not walk in the flesh, not be led by your five senses. You're not an animal. We're not animals. We're made in the image of the likeness of dominion of God. We're not controlled by our instincts and appetites. We are to be led by the Spirit. <clears throat> Look what it says. I say, walk in the Spirit that you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, it says, love your neighbor. Your neighbor is not just the person that lives next to you. It says, love another person. Surely, your wife... Surely your husband should foot in the category of your neighbor. In other words, how do you love your neighbor? Not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Why? Because your neighbor is going to disappoint you. Your husband's going to disappoint you. Your wife's going to disappoint you. And if you're loving them just according to the flesh, if you're, if you're loving them just out of your human resources, out of your human strength, you're going to get disappointed. There's a limitation. The reality is in all of our lives, there's a limitation. As a matter of fact, here's what he said. He said, don't bite and devour one another. Now, just think about that for a moment. Bite. Could you imagine turning to somebody? And my brother, I love my brother. I'm going to see my brother later today. My brother, my brother, he denies that he used to bite me on the arm. But we have pictures. Oh, yes, we have proof. He used to buy, so here's the point. And it was terrible, and I was tormented. And so anyway, so he would pull up my sleeve and I bite. And so my mom and my dad, they're in this service, and it's true. And, and so he wasn't loving his neighbor. But anyway, the point is this. Can you imagine turning and going, and can you imagine that? And Paul says, watch this, Paul says, when you don't act and walk in the spirit with your neighbor, with your husband, with your spouse, with your words, you're actually biting and devouring them. You ever thought of that before? I mean, how were, listen, only turn if it's your husband or wife next to you. Just say to them, say, please don't bite me. Come on, just say that to them. <clears throat> Paul says, when we don't walk in the spirit with our spouse, when we don't live according to our spirit, when we, uh uh, here it is, when we're frustrated by our flesh, when we're frustrated in the emotional realm and we make a decision to react according to our flesh rather than living out of our, say it, our 
Spirit, Paul says, walk in the Spirit, guess what? You actually can turn and you can say words that can devour one another. Wow. Biblically, there is a term called reconciliation. Reconciliation means is that when two parties come together and mutually agree, watch this, and they own the process. To reconcile means to render no longer opposed, to win over, to friendliness, cause to become amicable, to bring into agreement or harmony. It means both parties come to the table. It's not saying you're wrong. It's not saying you're wrong. It's saying I'm wrong. How can I grow? How can I change? Pastor Steve, what does this mean? Matter of fact, the word reconciliation, it's a banking term. There is the reality where you still can call. I know everything's automated, but I think you still can call banks and you can reconcile your checkbook. If you, there's probably somebody in the stratosphere that maybe possibly will answer your phone call. It's possible. It's possible. Okay. And here's the thing. And so reconciliation is you've got your checkbook and you call somebody wherever they live in the world and they have access to your bank account for this bank. And here's what they said. Watch this. And you say, excuse me, my statement says I have this much, but I think I have this much. Did you guys make a mistake? And they say, well, our statement says you have this. Oh, whoa, whoa, time out. We're so sorry. We charged you two overdraft payments last month. That put a little less in your account. Oh, oh, and you say, yeah, that's what happened. But wait a minute, but wait a minute. I also see that I did add wrong. So in other words, to reconcile, you've got to make an adjustment and you've got to make an adjustment so it all equals out. Pastor Steve, whose fault is it? Wait, listen, whose fault is it? Is it the husband's? Is it the wife? Why don't we both own what we can own and let's get on the same page together? <laughs> Biblical reconciliation works when both own their part. As a matter of fact, Jennifer and I have used this term. And by the way, I'm, I try to be appropriately transparent when I'm doing talks about relationships, or marriage, or parenting, whatever it is, and I'm no expert at all, long shot, no way, but I have learned some things. I've been, I have been married 26 years, and one of the things that I've learned is I would rather be reconciled with Jennifer than right. Let me say that again. I would rather be reconciled than right, and I know what some of you guys think, yeah, but you know what, strategically, my arguments, they make sense. You're right. Your argument, yes, of course, you're right, your argument wins, but you also lose emotional intimacy with your spouse. The reality is, is that there is a fight for intimacy, spiritually speaking. All healthy, flourishing, God-honoring relationships should begin in the spirit. We are spiritual beings. We are created in the image of God. And you know what marriage is really about? And here's what's interesting. It's two broken people that God puts together. And we've got to lean into our brokenness and become whole together as we walk together. We recognize and own our part. They recognize and own their part. We don't attack one another, but we work with one another, knowing that we're imperfect people moving towards the goal of what? Walking with God, fulfilling God's plan for our life in the world. We're not going to attack one another. We're not going to bite one another's arms. We are going to live in the Spirit. We've got to walk in the spirit. Everyone say walk in the spirit. I want to say this. You're not an animal. You're not led by sexual appetite and instinct. You're led by the spirit. You're created by God in the image of God, in the likeness of God, in the dominion of God. 
And that's why, by the way, praying together is such a thing. And I, listen, I've been to college. I've been to Bible college. I've been to seminary. I've got all the degrees, all that stuff. And let me tell you something, it's still hard for me at time to hold my wife's hand and pray. Well, you know, I just feel like God bless mommy. God bless my, I mean, it's just kind of hard sometimes. Listen to me. I want everybody to hear me. You want to affair-proof your marriage? Learn to spiritually connect with your spouse and pray together. Learn to go through a devotional together. Do anything spiritual together. Because let me tell you, the deepest part of connection is when a born-again believer and a born-again believer link together and they're spiritually connected. Everybody say, spiritually. Number two. Not only is there spiritual connection, but there's also emotional restoration. Emotional restoration. It's not that emotional connection is not important, but as Christians, we go to the heart. Then we move to the emotional connection. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Is there anybody in here who would honestly say that they have no faults? If you raise your hand, ushers are going to come quickly. I'm just, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't, in any of our campuses, please don't do that. We, we all have faults. Hey, here's what's really cool. You know what the word restore means? The word restore, it's actually two words. It's a compound word. It means re, which means again. Watch this. It means to do again and store, which means to stockpile or to fix or to arrange, to put in order. So let me say that again. Re means to do it again. To store means to arrange, stockpile, and to put in order. So to restore means to re-put in order. It means to restock. It means to put back in order again. Question, are there any things in your marriage that are out of order that need to, quote, be restored? I never forget one time I was in uh, Home Depot. I can't figure out why I was there. And uh, this person told me, they said, they said, you can't go down this aisle. Some of the stock, some of the stuff has fallen over. Sir, would you go around and go through this aisle? I said, sure. And I looked back, and there were people, they were restocking the shelves. Why? Because it was an impediment to the progress. People couldn't move down that aisle until they restocked. What, what, is, what has fallen in the aisles? What things have fallen off the shelf in our marriage? What things are not happening the way that they used to happen, but they're not happening now, and it's impeding progress? In other words, it's not safe to walk down the aisle anymore. Did you see it? You know what's interesting? The word, the word restore actually is the same word in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus comes and Peter and the fishermen, some of the disciples, they were, well, they were, they were mending nets. The word mending the nets, some of your translations say washing nets, mending nets, washing nets. It's actually the same Greek word and it means to restore, put back together. And the reason why, if you ever see a fisherman that has nets they're always working on their nets. And the reason why they're always working on the nets is because when those, well, those, those little parts that are tied together, if they get too broad, if the, if, the, if the net gets out of order, then it can't function according, the fish are going to swim right through it. The intimacy is going to be lost. Why? Because things are out of order. And so to mend the net, it's important to mend the net to, why? To take 
opportunity for the catch. In other words, if the net's not in order, if things are not in order, if things, if you've lost, if you've lost the, the, the strength of the net, if it's not, it's, it's, it's losing its function. How many marriages have lost their function? They've lost things that were so central, that were so critical. And we've got to restore. We've got to put back in order some things that were lost. Why? Because we're losing. There's things that are getting out that should not be getting out. And there's things that are not kept, kept in that should be kept in. There's, there's something. And let me give you two things. Number one, let me give you two things that I believe that we have to fight for in marriage. That, that all of us, myself included, that we have to fight for. Because when you lose emotional connection, there's a reason not just because you're busy. I'm going to give you two. Number one is honor. When you lose honor in a relationship, things are lost quickly. There's a spiritual connection, but then there's an emotional connection. Every time you don't honor your spouse, you, take a, you, you make a withdrawal out of their emotional bank account. Listen to what, Paul, listen to what Peter says. We'll start with husbands. Husbands... Likewise, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding, giving, what's that next word? Say it, honor to the wife. The Apostle Paul challenges the wives to honor and respect their husbands. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects and honors her husband. Honor is a key ingredient in a healthy, flourishing marriage. And when honor's lost, you guys remember when you were dating? You know, well, let me open the door for you, honey. No, 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 I'll open it for you. No, let me do this for you. No, no, let me do this for you. You know, after being, you know, a year married, it's like, go on, here, I'll, I'll get it for you. You know, after about 10 years, it's like, get in yourself. I'm just saying, I mean, we, we lose the very thing that we use to capture our, our spouse is the thing that we lose. You, you guys remember when you, you guys were dating, she was an angel, you were a hero, you have three kids, you lose a job, you go through some trial, now she's a fallen angel and you're a villain. <laughs> you know what was lost? Look right here, honor. Honor was lost. Let me tell you what honor is. Honor is esteeming, it's valuing, it, watch this, it's considering something as being worthy. Honoring is when you, when you esteem, when you value something and someone. We've lost that in our culture. We've lost that in our relationships. And I know everybody's busy, guys. I'm not suggesting that it was intentional at all. There was no evil or malintent, but, but you got busy, you got distracted, you started all these responsibilities, and the things that you used to do to honor your spouse are no longer part of your marriage. And your nets need to be sewn back together and mended. The things need to be restocked and reordered. There's an impediment to the pathway. You need to take a new road. Let me give you the second thing that we tend to lose in our marriage relationship if we're not careful. And this all affects the emotional level. There's a spiritual connection before God, but there's an emotional connection. Here it is, appreciation. Appreciation. Where honor is valuing 
the individual, the other. Appreciation is being grateful for them. There's a distinctive, there's a difference, similar but different. We can enhance our emotional connectivity with our spouse by showing gratitude. Appreciate, remember when you used to write the notes? Remember when you'd, you'd leave little presents and little things and, 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 and what happens to us? Why, 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 do, we, why do we lose that? Why, remember the date night or the date lunch? Or remember the weekend? Get it? Yeah, but you understand, we didn't have any children then. But, but you have to fight for this. It doesn't come easily. The complexities of life. By the way, Jesus talked about the cares of life. That's why we have to fight for it. We have to fight for intimacy. We have to fight for connection. And, and, and honor and appreciation are ones where we write the cards, we, we text throughout the day. There's all these little things that, that we can do. And we're, we're, instead of making a withdrawal, now we're making a deposit into our spouse. We're building up the emotional reserves in them. We're, we're, it's a weekend getaway. It's a present. Don't, listen, let me just help everybody. If you are just getting married, I'm going to talk to the men today. If your wife says to you, it doesn't matter if you get a gift or not for her, that's a lie from hell. <laughs> that's not true. Take it from me. That's not true. And all the husbands that have been married, come on, am I telling you all the truth? That's not true. When she says that, that means nothing. That's a test. Beep! That's a test. First five years of marriage, you don't want anything? Great, no problems. It's not true. It's the little gifts, it's the cards, it's the... It's the, it's the things, it's, the, it's, it's all of these things. And don't get her a gift certificate to Academy. <laughs> that was funny, by the way. <laughs> I, 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 can I tell y'all, um, uh, one time she goes, she goes, this is a nice gift, did you buy it? <laughs> and I said, I, I got it for you. <laughs> and she goes, no, did you personally go pick it out? I said, I was highly involved. <laughs> That's another thing, guys. Okay, she wants you to buy the gift. Let me help everybody. Yeah, I, I got, I'm gonna get in trouble, okay. I don't need, I, let me just keep going. Everybody say spirit. spirit. All right, now watch this, say emotions. So, so we want spiritual connection, but we want emotion. By the way, one of the things that'll help you in emotional connections is understanding the love language of your spouse. It goes both ways. Gary Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a very important book called um, the, Your Five Love Languages. And what he did is he, he basically outlined there's five love languages. A love language is how you perceive your love by people around you doing these things. That's how they're expressing. Very insightful. Churchofthekingcom slash love languages if you guys want to take the tests and quiz uh, we've got, of course, you can get the book. Let me, tell you what my, let me tell you what my love languages are. Mine are words of affirmation, and, 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 and the other one is acts of service. And it, it means something to me, to, with my wife. Hers are, here it is, here it is. It's, you ready? It's quality times, and it's gift, quality time. Well, actually, it is times, plural. And, <laughs> lots of it. And, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's gifts from me, lots. And it really doesn't matter who. And so it communicates, it communicates love to her. 
Guys, there's been times when Jennifer and I were not in great places in our marriage. As a pastor, I know what I'm talking about. You can find one another again. You can, you can listen, spiritually you can reconnect, and emotionally, boy, that's difficult. You can find one another again. Ah, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some intentionality. But you can do it by the grace of God. Number three, and my final one. Are y'all having fun? Are y'all learning anything in this? Is this fun? All right, here it is. Here it is. Physical relationship. I come to this last thing, and that is our physical relationship. The first word, reconciliation, deals with our spiritual life. The second word, restoration, deals with our emotional life. But the third one deals with our physical intimacy. I never forget when I, my wife and I, actually, we were together and we walked up to this hotel, and this was vivid in my mind, I, and I never forgot this. And it was the most beautiful water feature I've ever seen. And the water feature was, there was like, it's kind of like it was a half circle or like an oval kind of cut in half. And it was this, it's where the water started. Now, I know water was coming out of something in the building here. But it went into this first kind of little container. And then it cascaded into the next. And the next one was a little bit larger. It was painted. It was just beautiful. And then that would fill up. And then it cascaded into another one, a larger one. And I remember stopping and saying, honey, that thing is beautiful. I began to think about that picture. That is the picture of God's design for a healthy marriage relationship. In God's eyes, watch this, where you're spiritually connected and it flows into an emotional health and connection and then it flows into a pool of a physical, romantic, wonderful connection. I'm going to read two scriptures, and I'll close. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Those of you that are maybe new in Christianity, maybe you've never heard this concept before. But in the eyes of God, when you get married, there is actually a joining. There's a joining of, of your spiritual life. There's a joining of your emotional life, but there's a joining of your physical life. And it's a good thing. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18, Solomon says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. If you understand that literature, and, and, and then you read the Song of Solomon that was also, by the way, written by a brilliant individual. If you understand the scripture, it's talking about physical intimacy. Physical intimacy is God's design. But here's the problem. I want everybody to listen to me. We often skip the steps. When we skip the steps and we want physical intimacy when there's no emotional connection, or we want physical intimacy when there's no emotional and spiritual connection, somebody starts feeling used in the process. I, I want to say a couple of statements that I think are very, very important. I want everybody to lean in. I've got two minutes. This is so important. About two weeks ago, I was out and I... I I was reading the news, and I'm not going to tell you the station, what it was. It, it actually just kind of popped up, and, and it was on a general news station. It was just an article, and it was this, this thing in culture, and it was called sexual compatibility. I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. 
And, the, and it was sexual compatibility. In other words, and you were scored. So basically, you get with somebody, and you, and you experience sex, and you then grade the sexual compatibility of that, and then you make a decision, and this was to singles, you make a decision of whether or not, hey, that was a good experience. You know what? I ought to get to know that person better. Can I tell everybody something? That is absolutely backwards about how Christianity works. Listen to me. The sexual immorality and promiscuity has gone crazy in our culture today. Listen, this is very important I'm about to say. God has not put prohibitions in his scripture to keep you from intimacy, to keep you from fun. It's actually to maximize it within the context of how he's designed it in the matrimony of one man and one woman. That's God's plan. That's God's plan how he did it. And I want, to hear, I, want, I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. I was sexually immoral as a young man all the way into college. And my, my heart was so ripped apart. I had so much stuff. And I thank God for the grace of God. I know where everybody is. I thank God for forgiveness. I thank God for restoration. I think that God can, God can heal a man's heart. God can heal a woman's heart. But please, I'm, I'm begging you as your pastor, please consider what God is saying. God is trying to protect your heart. We don't connect sexually with people and then make an evaluation of whether or not we like them and we're going to date them. That's backwards. We connect spiritually with people. Then you get to know them. You have like precious faith. Then you grow emotionally. Then you get married. Then there's a consummation physically. And it should be good. And it should be fulfilling. And it should be rewarding. But God has a way to make it fulfilling. God has a way to make it fulfilling. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Some of you guys are thinking, Pastor Steve, I can't believe you're talking about this church. Where else are you going to learn about sex from God's design? How else are you going to learn? You're going to learn from Netflix what God's intention is? God has a way to keep your heart, sir and ma'am, from not being busted up. Life is hard enough. Please do it God's way. There's forgiveness in Christ. Thank God God forgave me for my sexual immorality. Thank God God restored me. But now let's do it God's way. Everybody say God's way. God's way. God loves you. God's got a wonderful plan for your life, but we got to do this God's way. Everybody say spirit. Everybody say soul. Everybody say body. I know, I know, I know that that is heavy. And I know where many, 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 many people are that are listening to me. I'm appealing to you as a pastor. Please do it God's way. I've done it the other way. and left my heart banged up. Please do it God's way. In the marriage relationship, man, listen to me. I've learned this. I'm learning this. Don't skip the steps. Don't skip the emotional steps and then expect something to happen on the physical level. That's when somebody feels used. Let it be a cascading. Be the spiritual man God created you to be. Emotionally deposit into your spouse and then reap the rewards of physical, lovely intimacy God's way. Come on, y'all receive that message today? Y'all receive that? I'm gonna ask everybody to stand. Our altar is going to be open for anybody that needs prayer. I want to pray for you guys. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask husbands and wives, if you'd hold your hand, hold your hand with your spouse if you do that. We want to pray. I want to pray for you right now, for the marriages in this church. All those that are listening to me, Jesus, I'm asking right now, Lord, that you would heal marriages. Lord, I know there's been tough patches in our relationship with Jennifer and I, and yet you brought us through. 
You've brought us through into broader places of love and intimacy, but it's taken work. It's taken a lot of I'm sorry's and please forgive me. Lord, heal. God, heal. Lord, I'm asking that you would connect people spiritually like never before. Lord, I bless. I bless the couples in this church. Strengthen them spiritually. Strengthen them emotionally. Lord, give each one of them to see and to honor their spouse in a new way. To raise their sights of honor and to communicate honor. To communicate appreciation. Lord, Lord, I'm asking that there would be a reservoir of blessing and and intimacy and love on the physical level as well. The cascading of spirit, soul, and body. Lord, that no devil from hell can get in the middle of that. That it's solid. A threefold cord cannot be quickly broken. Where you have placed a, a couple together and you're right in the middle of it. God, strengthen marriages. Strengthen them. Strengthen homes. Strengthen families. I cry out, God, as their pastor. For all of us, for your grace. And Lord, those that have had banged up hearts like me because of immorality, oh God, may they just let go of that. May they turn from that. May they come to you and may their hearts be cleansed and healed. And may they start afresh. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't condemn me, but you forgave me and gave me a new, ch a new chance, a new start. Lord, we want to do it your way. I bless your people. I bless all the men on Father's Day. May the men in this church, may this church be known as a house filled with men that serve their wives, that love them, that honor them, that care for them, even as Christ loved the church. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Can we give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. We give them. Guys, if you need prayer, we're here for you. Pick up something on the way out. We love you. Happy Father's Day. Wow, what an amazing message. And we really don't want to pass this moment by. If you're making a decision to follow Jesus right now, congratulations. This is the best decision you're ever going to make. And we really mean that. We're celebrating with you. Yes, today you are made new, you're set free, and you are forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we're excited to walk alongside you in this journey of following Jesus. There is a link on the screen or in the chat. Just click that and fill out a short form. We'd love to hear more of your story and point you towards more resources as you begin this journey. And before we say goodbye for now, just know that we are here for you as a church. In fact, if you have a prayer need and need someone to pray with you right now, just text the word pray to 822-822 or let one of our hosts know in the chat, we have hosts and pastors who are ready to pray with people. We really would be honored to pray with you. With that being said, we can't wait to see you back here next week. Same time, same place. Have a great week.